Welcome back to A Medium's Journey. This week, we're going to talk about the two practices that you can do that will help you put your foot on the accelerator. These practices are inexpensive, but will require a small amount of time and a fair amount of dedication. The first one we'll chat about is journaling. So the reason I'm holding my journal in the profile picture is because it's the single most important tool I have. So my journal acts as a constant reminder to trust myself, trust in spirit, and it acts as kind of like a compass to help me navigate this journey. You might be thinking, geez, that's a lot to ask out of, a, out of some notebook, but it has been amazing to feel and see the transformation this empty book has had as I fill it with experiences and information. The more I learn and the more I add to my journal, the more grounded and assured I feel. If I'm feeling wonky or start questioning myself, I'll pick up my journal and flip to a page and read it. I've just done this now and I've opened it to a page I've written on self-reliance. I feel very fortunate to have been invited to deliver messages at Meraki Spiritualist Society, which is a monthly mediumship gathering that's run by my mentor. During Meraki, we give messages of love and support and connection to audience members. Together with Ioana, two or three other practicing mediums or developing mediums will get up and provide messages. I wrote this piece after my second Meraki gathering I'd participated in. To this day, it's still the most difficult reading I've ever done. I don't know what was going on astrologically or in the world that day, but as we moved from the preparation room into the main hall, we were all taken aback by the turbulent energy that was there. It felt like we walked into a washing machine. Ioana settled the energy in the room, but we all knew we were in for a bit of a ride that day. There were also a number of other mediums in the room, quote unquote, following along with the readings. So this can really drain the energy in the room and um, can also distract the person that you're talking to in spirit because they can also jump back to the other person that's sitting there and, and following the information that you're giving. So it can be really difficult. So if you ever come along to one of my demonstrations I'm participating in and are a medium, please show me the respect to switch off and I'll do the same for you. I love going to mediumship demonstrations across Melbourne and just, you know, watching mediumship in action. And the last thing I'd ever do is go there and then switch on and and try to, you know, follow along with the readings. I just think that that's disrespectful. So, um, yeah, if you ever see me at a mediumship demonstration, please come up and say hi. And um, if you're demonstrating big ups to you for getting up in front of everyone and giving it a go because it is a very daunting process, something I do love to do, but it can be very, very daunting. So good on you for getting up there. So anyway, I was the second medium up that day. So the first medium, Jan, was doing her thing. I asked my guides to take it easy on me. I asked them for a really loud granny who was full of energy and had a great personality and in the back third of the room so I could engage everyone in the audience. Before I got up, I visualised a line like at a nightclub with the velvet rope and I asked the spirit to line up in an orderly fashion and I act like the bouncer standing up the front working out who's going to be let in. 
I then take the person at the front of the line and work my way back. Jan finishes and I stand up. I always try to start with a funny story to get everyone to laugh, hopefully, and raise the vibration in the room just to help me a little bit with the energy. I then noticed that I didn't have an outgoing granny standing with me, but I had a boy who was looking for his mum and a young man looking for his friend. They both came through together. We call this a double link. And both women the boys were looking for were sitting in the front of the room, three seats apart. It was the first time I had connected with a young son, let alone to do it in front of 50 people. So I was feeling the pressure to do a good job for this woman. The boys in spirit kept stepping in over the top of each other at the start. So the evidence was getting jumbled between the two people that I was reading with. And it was really difficult to push that small voice in my head away that was saying, you're buggering this up. After what felt like hours, but was literally five minutes, the boys stepped apart and I managed to finish the readings for both of the women. I promptly then returned to my chair and didn't make eye contact with Ioana, so there was no chance of me doing a second reading that day. I was done. There were a couple of bits of evidence the women couldn't place during the readings, and there were some longer-than-usual pauses and bits of silence. So I went home focusing on the negatives and worried that I hadn't given the women what they needed in the readings. I called one of the other mediums doing platform with me that day to debrief. I basically needed her to tell me I didn't mess up too bad. We dissected the two readings. One thing my friend said was that they both got what they needed and to stop focusing on the negatives. I then called a spiritual friend who was sitting in the audience that day and dissected it again. I don't know why I did this, but, you know, if I look back, I think it was ego and it was also that I was looking for someone else to make me feel better about the reading. I finished the second call with a similar outcome. Then I made another call and that's where I got the answer I needed. Why are you relying on other people's opinions? So review the reading yourself from an objective position, then ask your guides for their opinion. Instead of working myself up into a state and enacting a phone tree to pat my ego, I needed to rely on my own internal compass, not an outside validation. So the page I opened in my journal is a brain dump on self-reliance that I wrote that day. One, the one paragraph that is legible reads, if I trust myself, I can support myself and therefore don't need validation from outside forces to reinforce what I already know. I'd totally forgotten that I'd written this, and now reading it back, it's such an important lesson for me to remember. So I'm going to take that one on board and put that back in the memory bank. Must have slipped out the sides. So what type of journal do I need and how often do I need to write in it? I write in my journal whenever it feels like the right thing to do. At the start of my journey, each book I read told me to write in it every morning or every night or after every meditation, etc. This was all too much for me to commit to. I tried every morning after my meditation and to me this felt like I was just, you know, trying to write for the sake of writing. I then wound it back to after each spiritual session. I found I did this for a little bit of time and then it was every second time 
then I found excuses like I forgot to bring it or I don't have time now or I'm not in the right frame of mind. I then started resenting my journal. It felt like the bane of my existence and I threw it in my spiritual drawer and left it there for months. I'd pick it up occasionally and open it up and then I'd just put it straight back in, not interested. It wasn't until I was walking past a stand at a spiritual festival and I saw this notebook out of the side of my eye. It matched my first deck of oracle cards that I'd ever purchased. And so I wandered over and picked it up and before I knew it, I found myself lining up in front of the cash register. This was my journal. I took it home, opened the front page and wrote my name in it. This was my journal. I then found the first empty page and wrote my uh, my intention for it. Part of this intention reads, I will open this journal when the road gets too steep to keep walking, when I fall into the ground and need a hand to get up, and when I can celebrate a win by documenting my progress. I will open this journal to give gratitude, to pray for help or to ask a question. I will open this journal to remind me how lucky I am to have the people in my life and in spirit supporting me. So my journal is really a combination of stories and learnings and questions and gratitude. Basically anything that pops into my brain when the journal is open gets scribbled down. I can't draw and there's pictures in there, there's just words, sometimes nothing matches and I just throw it in, dump it in and move on to the next page. And it'll be really interesting when I just flick it open and open it up to that page and for some reason it kind of all means something to me. So I love doing that. The second to seventh page of my journal is a dot point timeline of significant moments of learning. So I can look back at the journey I've already travelled. Each month I add a new heading and depending on what's happened, a couple of dot points of my progress. It's a quick monthly reflection that really adds up. So I can sit there and go back and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Look how far I've come just in the last couple of months or in the last year or in the last 18 months. So um, it's it's a really quick snapshot reminder that, you know, you've, you've been doing the work and you're progressing. This is the first journal that I've really connected with and feel compelled to write in. Beforehand, I used to use whatever was lying around, from notebooks I'd picked up at work conferences that were free to a half-used Spyrax notepad I found when I was cleaning out my desk. If it had some blank pages, I'd repurpose it. I feel that this also played a major role in my difficulty journaling. I have a degree in communications with a minor in journalism, so I should be able to string a sentence together, one would think. But because I hadn't set an intention and I'd created a regime that forced me into writing, none of the previous notepads really resonated with me at all. I actually don't know where half of them are. You don't need to spend a fortune buying a journal, but when you do pick one, I would suggest doing it mindfully rather than just grabbing something laying around or that you find in an old desk. And before you start writing, set an intention, whether you hold it and say your intention in your head or whether you write it down. If you give it a little respect, it'll give you some back tenfold. So if you don't have one or haven't picked yours up in a while, 
set your terms, whether it's writing in it every day or once a month or whenever it comes to you and find out what really works for you and stick to it. So the second thing we're going to talk about today is to help accelerate your spiritual growth is your daily spiritual practice. Yes, I did use that word daily. I really, really struggled with this. I started out setting unrealistic goals for myself. I thought I would spend 30 minutes in the morning meditating and 30 minutes at night sitting in the power. That's an hour. That'll be easy. Day one, I sleep in. Running late to get the train. Great start, Sonia. I'll make it up when I get home. Crazy day at work. Got home, fed the family, etc. Went into my bedroom. Right. Time to meditate first for 30 minutes. Then I'm going to sit in the power for 30 and journal afterwards. Great. We don't have any chairs in our bedroom, so I just lied on the bed. I started a guided meditation and I woke up at 2 a.m. freezing cold because I was still on top of the doona. Fabulous start, Sonia. In that week, I had more misfires than successes. So instead of reassessing my overambitious goals, I just got mad at myself and more stubborn. This did not lead to any quality work. I then decided that it was all too hard and packed it in. I decided I couldn't meditate, I had no space to sit in, and it was just not going to happen for me. A few months passed and I found some meditations on YouTube. And I really enjoyed doing these. I didn't set any goals this time. I just said to myself, if I remember and I'm in the right frame of mind, I'll do it. So more mornings than not, I'd wake up and do Michelle Chalfant's 12-minute empath cleansing meditation. I'll put the link in the episode info for you. It's fabulous. 12 minutes felt like a manageable chunk of time in the morning for me. At night, I had a lot of work stress, so I was finding it hard to sleep. So I started doing a range of Jason Stevenson's guided sleep meditations. They're fabulous and absolutely work. As time went on, I found that these morning meditations helped set me up for the day and I really began enjoying them. Over time, I moved away from guided meditations and now I sort of talk to myself, talk myself through a cleansing and protection meditation And um, if I'm feeling it, I'll just sit there quietly and just reflect or I'll put on some music on my phone and put my headphones on and and just spend as long as I want to spend just just listening to some music and just, you know, either sitting with my guides or just sitting with myself and putting my hand on my heart and sort of saying to spirit, what do I need to know today? What do I need to be thinking about? So... um, so what I do now, instead of, you know, just waking up and getting out of bed, I'll set my alarm half an hour early and um, and start doing that. So it's really turned my daily spiritual practice from a chore into something I really enjoy doing and it really feels like the only me time that I get during the day. And it really does annoy my husband, so I guess that's a benefit because the alarm goes off, as I said, half an hour or so before I get out of bed. So he thinks I'm procrastinating rather than meditating. So do what feels right for you and you'll find the practice that works best. So keep at it, be patient, and most of all, be kind to yourself. 
One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is called I'm Spiritual Dammit, and it's hosted by Jennifer Weigel. Jennifer's a former newscaster, and she started this sort of spiritual search for answers after her father passed away. And this search has morphed into a podcast where she interviews healers and channel channelers and mediums and psychics, and she unearths some great stories and insights from her guests. Um, and there's always generally a reading that's thrown into for good measure, which is great to listen to. So some of my favourite interviews are with Caroline Mace, Echo Bodine, watch out for the Ouija board story in that one, um, Suzanne Geisman and Rebecca Rosen. So I'll put a link in the episode information for you so you can jump on there. She also has a number of books on Audible, so you can download the complete list of interviews there if you like. So that's it from me today. Until next time, keep walking the spiritual path.